Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. This morning, we're talking about a glorious mess. Uh, that's the theme that we've come under for the month of September, and this is the last week. So I'm hoping that to this morning, I can really kind of bring it together with, with the thoughts that I believe God's given me with what he wants to speak about this morning. Uh, we're talking about this theme because we want to address the things that we think disqualify us, but rather that they're the things that God wants to use nonetheless. God wants to use all of us, mess included, okay? And so this glorious mess becomes glorious when he gets involved in our mess. And so um, what I want to do this morning is I want to um, help us to understand that uh, why God uses us and why, um, I guess, he chooses to, to call a people to himself that he doesn't need and who on a regular basis, and this might just be me, don't listen to him. Um, I know you guys are perfect, but I, I still struggle with that immediate obedience thing with God. And so I, I want to I speak this morning around the mission of God. Um, did you know that God has a mission? Um, there isn't, it, it can sometimes seem like, why does God even choose to have humanity? Why did we even come into existence? Why did we even, like, God doesn't need us. There's a very key theological concept here that God is self-sufficient in and of himself. He doesn't need anything. So the idea that he needed to create creation so that people would worship him is, is, is baloney. Okay, he, that's not necessary. God is self-sufficient in and of himself. And so why would he create humans? Why would he create the world? Why would he, and if he is all-knowing, why would he do that in such a way that he knew it would get messed up, but then he would have to fix it all again? And, and there's this messy factor of it all. And, and why? Why is that? And so that's what I want to address this morning and, and help us unpack that. We have to zoom out to get that big picture and then zoom back in to find our specific part in that, in that big picture of what God wants us to do. Um, listen, we serve a God of purpose, okay? Um, he, he's not a God of happenstance or, you know, this feels, I feel like this this morning, I feel like, you know, let's do that, or I coughed and all oh, earthquake over in that area. It's not like that. God, God is in control of everything. He is sovereign over everything, okay? He is all-knowing and a master strategist, okay? And so he takes every little thread of our lives and he interweaves them into this grand tapestry, uh, which brings him glory, okay? No matter where you are, no matter what you've done in life, God can use you right now from this moment forward um, in his grand plan and in his mission, okay? Uh, And we are expected as Christians, as Jesus people, uh, as people belonging to the family of God to participate in that mission, okay? Just a little, that's a little, just a little, taste tidbit, right? That might get a little bit heavier than that, but we are expected to participate. If we're in, like if Benaiah, he's like five now, but from the moment he was born, I had an expectation on his life that at some point in my family, he would participate. It's not a free ride. I'm not just here to bottle feed you all the way up to adulthood. No, no. Like he does the dishes now. Like he unpacks the dishwasher now. He participates in my family. And, and, and so the same is for us in the family of God. We are called and expected to participate. Now, listen, if you're here for the first time, you're a guest with us this morning, you're not familiar with church, uh, this is an important message for you. It's significant because you're going to see, the, I guess, what we call the meta-narrative of what God's plan is, okay? You're going to get the big picture scope of why God's doing what he's doing and, and if there's a part that you can play in it, okay? And if you are here and you're a Christian, you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to be reminded of the significance of the mission of God 
and going to see what your part to play in is it play is in it, specifically in our house, okay, and what you can do to be involved with the mission of God. So if you have your note-taking devices, pen, paper, all those things, the, the title of my message this morning is From Mission to Mess and Back Again. Let's pray. That was just the introduction. <laughs> Father God, I thank you for this morning. I just pray that you would use me, God, in a mighty way, but we would see, God, that you are an incredibly amazing, good God who has a good purpose for each and every one of us. God, that you have a grand, scheme, a grand scheme of and a mission, God, that you're outworking, and you invite us to participate and be a part of that, and that is such an incredible honor and privilege. We thank you for all that you do for us that we know and the things that we don't even know, God, by your good grace, in your mighty name, amen. amen. Uh, my wife and I are very different people. Um, uh, uh, in a number, number of ways, um, when, we, when we were getting married, um, Sarah was kind of like, I'll take on the whole wedding. Um, I just need you to do two things, right? She made it really easy for me. First thing is, say yes whenever I ask you to do something, okay? I'm like, okay, I can do that. Two... Can you look after the honeymoon? Like, just, just book the honeymoon for us so that I'll take care of everything wedding day. You just have to book the honeymoon. And I'm like, cool, okay? Because for me, like, I'm, I'm, I'm real, like, big picture type of guy. And my wife's, like, real, like, detail type of guy. Not girl. You know, like, she's, like, like detail-oriented. I'm like, babe, I got this great idea. Let's go out this weekend and go to the beach. And she's like, okay, boom, list 50 things that need to be done to get that into working. All I'm thinking is, like, let's jump in the car, let's go. We're going to the beach, you know? She's like, no, we, there's a whole bunch, especially now having a child. Like, before when you're a teenager or when you're, like, young adults, it's like, it's just you. And, and, or just the two of you, and you can just literally jump in the car. But having a family is like a whole other ballgame. So Sarah's like, okay, yeah, I'm all on board with that mission that you've got in your mind, but uh, we need to get these 18 million things done before we can do that. And I'm like, okay. So wedding day, she's like, I'm going to take care of the 18 million things. All I need you to do is take care of the honeymoon. And I'm like, I got this. Like, man, I'm so... We're going to get this. We've got this big picture. Then I book it all. Pick a location. It's going to be beautiful. going to be fantastic. going to play lots of board games. Um... <laughs> And then, and then, and so we arrive, we do the, we do the honeymoon, uh, we do the, the wedding day, that was great. We're going on our honeymoon, okay, and we arrive in Thailand, and we're at the hotel that I booked, and there's this issue that we're having across the counter, and like cross-cultural, like language thing, I'm like, this, what's the issue here? Turns out, I kind of booked the wrong week. Um, I like... <laughs> Not even joking. I'm like, I'd book the week after. Like, and I'm, I'm like, look at my wife, and she's like, I'm going to step outside before there's murder in Thailand. When I come back, sort this out. I'm like, I'm going to handle that. All right, let's just, you go out there, have a mimosa or something. Like, I'm going to take care of this. And, and thankfully, the, the, the people at the hotel were able to switch things around, move us, and they upgraded us, thank you, Jesus. But uh, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm a, not a detailed person, okay? <laughs> Sam's constantly telling me, okay, focus on the details. I'm like, yeah, but we've got to do this. We've got to change the world. And he's just like, can you just, like, do ABC first? And I'm like, okay. But it can seem a little bit like that if we look at, look at God. If, we, if, we're, if we're looking at God's 
idea and God's mission, we need to zoom out and see that big picture first before we can see the intricate little details of our lives in the midst of all that. Okay, because God has a big picture. And I think a lot of the time where we get stuck is in our little detail, our little life, our little moment, right? But if we, zo- we have to zoom right back out and see the grand scheme of what God is doing across the whole of humanity and the whole of creation to understand then when we zoom back in what our part to play is, okay? And so this morning, what I want us to understand is that when we zoom out and see the big picture, we're better equipped to see our part in it. Okay, God's mission, and I, I want to zoom back, I'm going to go right back to the start, and I'm going to just list a couple of key things, but this is so that we can understand the big picture, and then I'm going to help you with some practical things about our part to play in it. Okay, so this starts in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, God, in, God created the heavens and the earth, okay, and for the next two chapters of the Bible, in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates everything, right, and we see right from the get-go that God is a God of mission, and, and it is evident that because he is self-existent, he has a purpose, self-existent meaning that he doesn't need anything else, right? So therefore, when he chooses to do something, it is indicative that he has purpose behind what he's doing, okay? He's all-knowing and all-wise. So the fact that he chose to create something, bring into existence what we experience today um, in its raw form indicates to us that God had a purpose. He had a mission in mind. He had something on his mind that he wanted to do and he had planned it out. The, 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 I mean, there's a scientific uh, term called fine-tuning of the universe. It, it, it's just a, another indicator for me of just how intricately involved God is in the design and the, 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 the space in which we live and his mission in that. Like, he create, like it's as if earth was purposely designed to sustain life. And that with, on that life, there is creatures and creation. I don't think it's a, a, a coincidence that there has not been life discovered anywhere else outside of earth, right? Because God is a God of mission and purpose. And he set everything in order the way it is to indicate to us that he had a mission and a purpose. Then Genesis chapter 3 happens. Genesis chapter 3 introduces to us how sin entered the world and how the mess that we find ourselves in from a daily basis entered into the scenario called creation, okay? Adam and Eve sin, and I'm running through all the main points here. I'm not going to get into, bogged into the details because I just want to see, help you see the big picture, right? Sin enters the world, and humanity in their relationship with God is severed, okay? And now God has to rejig the plan, but it was always the plan because he knew, the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, he, God knew that we would mess up, Right? And that he would have to get involved in that mess to make it glorious. See what I did there? And, uh, and, and, and he had a plan already in place. But this is crazy because he, he, before he even put anything into motion, God stood back and in his knowledge and his foreknowledge went, this is how things are going to go down and I still think it's worth it. I still think that even you in your mess, what you did just yesterday or maybe just on the way here, it was worth it for Jesus to come and die for you so that we could be a part of his mission and his plan, okay? Genesis chapter 4 to 11 take place after that, and it's basically just anarchy. It's just a a picture of what happens when sin really got going, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, really got going. Like, the the imagery is just, is crazy, right? And to the point where God goes, "I I need to clean this up. Like, this mess is not glorious. Like, I'm a I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to chuck the baby out with the bathwater. I'm going to literally just, the whole flood scene happens, Noah, that whole thing. But he chooses to save Noah, 
and his family and then kind of restart humanity. Genesis 12 to 50 take place, and this is what it is, right? It's about God choosing, um, this is just the big picture version of it, God choosing a man, then choosing a family, then that family becoming a people, and then that people becoming a nation. And each time, God in his grace, and just by pure choice, because he's God, choosing that and saying, I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. I'm going to jump ahead real quick. In the New Testament, God's position is still the same, except he does it for all humanity who believe in Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I still choose you. I still choose you. I still choose you. After that, we have the Exodus, the book of Exodus, which is about God's people becoming a nation. He's, they're giving the law. They're given the, uh, like just ways to live life together in community with themselves, with God, and with the nations around them, how they're supposed to interact and stuff, okay? Then the rest of the Old Testament is really just a bunch of stories, narratives, and things like that, that God is trying to communicate who he is to his people, his nation, and how they respond to him, and how they are involved in God's plan, Okay, and it's not pretty, it's very ugly, and at times extremely messy. But nonetheless, God is patient and consistent and persistent with them through his grace to say, no, no, I still choose you. No, no, I still have a plan for you. No, no, you're still my nation. I know you've stuffed up, and I'm going to punish you for that. But you'll see that even in that punishment, I'm going to bring it around for my glory and your good. And, and that's the whole story of the, New, of the Old Testament. The New Testament enters on the scene and God has had enough with our attempts to be a part of his mission and has now decided that he's going to come in the form of Jesus Christ in flesh, God in flesh, and make it available for us to be on board with his mission. He's going to make the way that we needed to make. And this is the gospel message, that Jesus Christ came, he died, lived the life that we could never live, died the death that we should have died, was risen on the third day, and now is seated, in the Father, seated beside the Father at the right hand. Okay, And that, that, that's what happens right at the beginning of the New Testament. The rest of the New Testament is, how, is the story of 12 dudes or 11 dudes um, that Jesus trained, the disciples, and asked to carry on his mission while he left, and he, he left them with a, a, a promise, a command, and a commission, okay? These, these, are the, these are the three things that we need to understand. He left us with a promise that he would send the Holy Spirit to be our helper, okay? And to help us, empower us to be a part of God's mission. He left us with a command, love God, love people. Really easy, okay? Like we, we make it complicated, but really that's what it is. Love God, in this order, love people, okay? And then with a commission, go out into all the world and do what I commanded you to do and train other people to do what I commanded you to do. That was it. And so he leaves 11 guys uh, and a bunch of people and this is where we kind of pick ourselves up in the story now because this is what the church has been doing since Jesus left and since it was birthed in the book of Acts, okay? It's all about and points to God and his plan to redeem to himself a people of his own, okay? And not only a people of his own, but all of creation, but especially humanity, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 to 21. It's a big chunk of scripture, but let's just read it together. I want to pull just key statements out of there. It says, since then, we know that what the fear of the Lord is. We try to persuade others. This is, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you the opportunity to take pride in us. This is Paul speaking to a church about his work and his mission that he's on with God. Okay? Um, uh, 
take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our minds, as some say, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. Who knows that sometimes in the world people look at us and go, you're out of your mind. And go, yes, we are. Because we don't believe in just what we see right now. Okay? And if we are in our right mind, it's simply so that you can understand us and get on board. Okay? Um, as some say, uh, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all. That, listen to this, those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So now, so from now, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has come, the new, uh, the new has come, the old has gone, uh, and the new is here. The, all this is from God. Get that statement. All this is from God. This is all part of his mission. This is all part of his plan, okay? Who reconciled to himself through Christ, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's a key phrase there. We're going to unpack that a little bit because that is our job in the big picture now. That ministry of reconciliation, okay? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, okay? Not, not counting our mess against us, not counting what we did just before. Whatever you think disqualifies you, not counting that against you, right? And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who was no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That's our, that's our part. Is that we go, our part is now Christ's ambassadors on the earth to say, hey, please be reconciled to God. He became sin that we might become righteousness. He became a mess. Like literally, got, Jesus got messed up. I haven't seen the passion, but I've heard it's bloody. That is nothing in comparison to the real deal. Like he became a mess. He became sin for us, the epitome of mess, that we might be pure, blameless in his sight and purpose to be part of his mission. Right? That's what we're a part of. It is clear then that God has a mission. The mission of God is that in love, he purposed to redeem his fallen creation from sin for his new creation, okay? It is about the restoration of God's original relationship with mankind, his redemption that was outworked through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said it like this in Colossians 1.20, that through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. God sent himself in the form of Jesus that we might have relationship with God and be a part of his mission. God, in his foreknowledge, knew that mankind would sin, putting him in a mess beyond anything that we could do within ourselves to get out of that mess, right? He, God knew that, but he nonetheless sent Jesus so that we could be part of his mission. He purposed from the beginning to send Jesus to redeem us back to his mission. We weren't redeemed back just so that we could sit here and wait for God to do his thing. Right? We're not just waiting for God to finish off what he started and then we get to party in heaven. No, we're redeemed back for the purpose of being part of his mission. Yeah. Co-heirs, co co-missionaries, co-ambassadors with Christ. 
That's our, that's our part to play. That's your part to play, my part to play. Don't, it's not just the pastor's part to play. It's not just the worship team's part to play. It's you in your world every day, Monday through to Sunday, every day of the week, going, God, you made me for a purpose. If I have breath in my lungs, it's because you still have something for me to do today. I'm going to be on board. That's why God redeemed us. That's why he purposed us, okay? People are not just redeemed and left to themselves. They are redeemed into community. Community first with God and then community with each other, which is the church, okay? The community of people is called the church, which, which once redeemed, continues to minister and outwork God's mission, okay? Through the power and the, uh, through the, power and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's why we, we sing praise. That's why we come in worship together. That's why, because we're reminded of the fact that we're a part of something so much bigger than ourselves, that God is at work in our lives and through our lives, and not just individually, but together corporately, yeah. together as a body. Uh, this, is what, this is where we, each and all of us, play our part, okay? Now that we have been redeemed and reconciled to God uh, through Jesus, each and every one of us are invited and expected to participate in the mission of God, regardless of your mess. Yeah. Listen, listen to me, please. I, I, I know when you hear messages like this, it's immediately you try and disqualify yourself and t- tell yourself why, or try and tell me through your own thinking why you can't be a part of this. Yeah. It's, it's actually just a really bad excuse. <laughs> Jesus has made the way, yeah. the every way. Like whatever you could possibly think of yeah. in Jesus, it is actually yeah. just done away with yeah. and you have no excuse you can be part of it. It's not like a, oh, now I've got to be part of it. It's like, no, you get to be part of it. Yeah. This, is, this is the greatest news ever, yeah. that we can be part of the mission of God. We can play our part. We can do our bit. We can wake up every day going, I have a purpose. I have a reason for being here. God is good, and I'm going to work at work what he's got in my life today. Whatever my gifts are, my talents are, my passions are, whatever it is, whatever my individual detailed part to play is, in the big scheme of what God's been doing since the beginning. That's what we're here to be a part of. That's the exciting part. Please don't let your, your hiccups, stuff-ups, mess-ups, mistakes disqualify you from God's great and awesome mission and plan for your life. Yeah. Yeah. And don't let it take you out from us as the corporate body of Christ because every part is important. First Corinthians chapter 1, 26 to 31 says this. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of us were wise by human standards, not many influential, but many, not many of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world. Yeah. I'm the most foolish. Okay, just, just putting that out there, right? Don't laugh too hard, Pastor Sam. Okay? <laughs> the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ and though, uh, who because of, uh, blah, 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 who has become for us the wisdom from God that, that is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore it is written, let no one boast, that, that him who boasts, boasts in the law. Okay, let, no matter what you do or have done, yeah. it can, it, God can use it. He uses the foolish things. He uses the, the lowly things. He uses the things. Romans tells us that God, God uses all things yeah. Yeah. and uses them for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Yeah. His purpose, his plan, his mission. Yeah. That's what we're a part of. 
the only valid response to God in light of his mission and how he saved us and redeemed us through Jesus is a committed participation to God's invitation to play our part in his mission. I live by a deep conviction that we are one generation away from extinction as Christians. That if we don't play our part, that if we don't do our bit, that if we don't raise our children like this, if, that if we don't do what God's called us to do in this time, at this moment, then a generation away from now, they won't know the God that we know. Uh, Joshua, one of the saddest verses in the Bible, in the book of Joshua, talks about how um, Joshua comes and he dies, and then the next verse is like, uh, and then a generation arose that did not know the God of Joshua in his time, uh, and so they, they all just went and did whatever they wanted. That's so sad to me. I, I, I want us to be a people that live on the mission of God. I wonder if we let ourselves off the hook too easily so as not to feel the weight of people going to hell. Like, I wonder if we let ourselves off the hook of being involved in the mission of God, of being involved with what He's called us to do so as not to feel the weight that people are going to hell. If we don't do this, if we're not involved in this, if we're not on board, participating in the body of Jesus Christ, the church, people are going to miss out. And it's not a miss out like, oh, I didn't get the lotto. It's like, no, no, you're eternally, eternally separated from God. I'm going to skip a whole bunch of stuff, but this is one. Juan is my prop. But we're a part of Juan body, okay? And we're a part of Juan church, okay? And there is Juan spirit. But I wanted you to see, right, because Ephesians chapter, 11, chapter 4 verse 11 says that uh, Jesus gave to some apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, right, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, right? So uh, Pastor Sam's job, Pastor Carolina's job is for us to, to, to build a team of people who can minister to you as the saints of God that you might do the ministry out into the world, which is the mission of God, okay? But what we need to see in this imagery is that every part, uh, verse 14 of Ephesians Uh, Sorry, uh, chapter 4, verse 16 says this. um, From the whole body joined and knit together with every joint supplying it according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body and edifying to itself in love. Okay, so what we see is that when every part of the body is doing its bit, we have a healthy body. But if I remove a bit, I often remove that bit. (laughs) But, you know, like, if we take Juan's eye out, how's Juan going to see? Right? If we take Shekinah out, how are we going to see? Juan's lungs? No, they're not kidneys, babe. When I unpacked Juan, she's like, is that the kidneys? I'm like, mm, oh, sweetheart. <laughs> right? Like, if, if we don't put that back, we're not at full capacity. Pastor Chris Hodgman, this is literally him. He only has one lung, or one and a bit, right? So he's not at full capacity. We, we, like, if I take another bit out, and another bit out, 
and another bit, oh my goodness, you know, like, oh my, how far, like, how far do we take this? Like, if you're not playing your part, we're a mess. Juan's a mess. I want you to understand tonight, this morning, the importance of each part. Like, like we, we understand the importance of the heart, right? We get that, right? Because without the heart. But do, do you know that without the kidneys, the, that I haven't even got to, because they're, they're behind the, oh, no, it'll come out, sweet. Like this, your kidneys up in here, that filters all the blood that goes through the heart. Like, we, we don't see that bit because it's right at the back and it's this little kidney bean and kids don't like to eat their kidney beans. Like, you know, like, it's an important part. Do you know how important the skin is? Largest organ in the body. No one's talking about the skin. It's dirty. It's gross. It's got marks and, and scars and gross. But it, without the skin, infection, disease, bacteria would all enter the body like that. Every part is important. No one part is any more or any less important than any other part because it's all together that we are healthy, that we have vitality, that we move forward with power and strength. Listen to this. A true sign of maturity in the body of Christ is full participation in it. If you're a mature believer in this place this morning, get involved. Be a part of it. You probably already are. This is the church at its best, that we are on mission, growth focused with each other to outreach to the world around us with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we are healthy and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we walk towards the mess of the world with open arms and say, you know what? Because we're healthy, because we're good together, we can help you. We can minister to you. We can provide answers for you. We can do what it is that God's called us to do. This is normal Christianity. Being involved in the, it's not it's not like like we would go if the lung decided like I'm out guys I'm done that's not normal. Yeah. If we decide I'm not going to participate for whatever reason bitterness anger uh, offense whatever it is it, it's not normal. Yeah. Talk about those things. I'm not saying those things aren't real and we need to work through those things because we're constant like my body it, it like even just three days ago like I'm like snotting like everywhere my wife's looking at me like you are the most disgusting human being in the world I'm like help me and I'm like feeding myself like medication I'm praying over myself I'm declaring the blood of Jesus I'm like giving myself the wrong medication I'm like thinking I've got a head cold and I've actually just got hay fever I'm like my body is like why you do this to me Right? So there's sometimes conflict within the body. But it's not like any one of my parts are like, ah, we're done, I'm out, this body sucks. No, the body works together to go, hey, how do we fix this? How do we, how do we, how do we bring this together? How do we come back to full maturity, full health, full vitality? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.